Thank you for downloading this episode of Heartland Podcast. My name is Rasmus Quinsgaard and I'm the program director of talks at Heartland Festival. The talk you're about to hear is a live conversation that took place at Heartland Festival in 2017 and it's called Unmasculinity Today. In this talk, the two participants discuss masculinity, male sexuality and new forms of male identity in culture and fashion. What is considered masculine today is different from earlier generations and it's changing as we speak. The conversation is between Mark Simpson and Mesh Nurgle. The British journalist and author Mark Simpson has written several books on masculinity and male sexuality. In 1994 he coined the term metrosexual and later made it widely popular when he in 2002 described David Beckham as exemplifying the metrosexual in an article for The Independent. Later Simpson has introduced new terms to describe the development of masculinity such as retrosexual and sexual, and he sounds like this. Men in general are much less inhibited, particularly young men. They really don't care. Uh, they just want to be hot. They don't, they don't really care what somebody somewhere who's ugly and old thinks it's gay. Mads Nørgaard is a Danish fashion designer and owner of the fashion house Mads Nørgaard Copenhagen. Nørgaard started out by selling and designing men's fashion, which has later been extended to both women's and men's fashion. What makes Nørgaard's work particularly interesting in this discussion is the fact that his designs and men's fashion are considered classic and almost universally masculine. He sounds like this. Yapi said, I can do this, I want to do this, and it's only for myself. It's not for my family, it's not for my wife, no, no. it's for me as a male. I want to look like this, do this, be it money, be it body, be it fashion, whatever. The conversation is moderated by journalist and TV presenter Adrian Lloyd-Huge. Now I'd like to ask all of you, and I'd like to see a, uh, a show of hands here, how many of you have heard of the term a metrosexual male? Can I see? Oh wow. This must be incredibly gratifying, Mark, because it is actually Mark who coined that phrase all the way back in 1994 or 6, wasn't it? That's right, I'm to blame. Blame me. And later on, Mark, has, Mark Simpson, who is a Guardian journalist and an author, journalist, broadcaster, has also later on in 2004 or 5 coined the phrase spornosexual. Have you ever heard of that phrase, spornosexual? Oh. There are uh, not quite so successful with that one, Mark, I'm afraid. Not yet. Not yet. It's coming, though. Behind me, we have a person which I would say must fit that mold, a spornosexual male, Zach Efron, and we'll get to him in a moment. But Mes Nurko is our second uh, 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 presenter today. Mes Nurko, many of you know, uh, has had his own clothes shop in Stroydl, the pedestrian street in Copenhagen, since 19... 96, uh, 86, sorry. 86, thank 86, you. 86, and you had, you've had your own uh, fashion brand for both men and women since 19, is it 94? 19, 19 yeah, around something, there, yeah. 92, like that. And, and my take on your brand, Mess, 
because you always wear your own brand when you, when you present yourself, is that you have been dressing, when we are talking about the males, you've been dressing the self-confident, fashion-conscious, but should we say conservatively chic males. Would you buy into that definition of your brand mess? I would buy into it, yes, but I wouldn't, to myself in the mirror, I don't use the word conservative, but it's more traditional or more, it's not so... Well, I suppose it could be far more conservative than the clothes that you present, but so it's kind of the sporty, conservative, uh, ca smart casual. I always thought that what I wanted to do from the very beginning and mm -hmm. what I'm still trying to do is the suited thing, the more traditional in habit in Danish, and then the very sporty jeans type of guy. And if you mix those two in between, so jeans with a blazer, that kind of thing. And yes, it's a bit conservative if you compare it to what's really avant-garde or guys in skirts and so, so on. So it's yes, a secure choice, and if you do that, you're more or less yeah. sorted. Yes, but a little bit more daring than that, I would say. So, as you can imagine, most of us here on stage today, we've been fretting about what shall we wear if we have a discussion on masculinity. And I know that you have, Mas. What did you want to wear if you'd had your minds with you this morning when you dressed yourself? In the car going here around Kyu, we left this morning at nine, and, around, and, I, and I decided to wear this one at home which is a, a worker's jacket. And I, just when we were reaching Ku, it occurred to me that, yes, of course, I should have been wearing my rose-colored denim jacket. Okay, slightly pink denim jacket. That we're talking about modern masculinity. Mm. That might have been more, more suiting. So that but I would, didn't. That would have been a and we didn't turn the car. So, Mark, would that have been a bold statement if Mats had been wearing his slightly pinkish blazer? That was what you said, wasn't it? Mm. No, um, no, denim jacket. It would have been a jacket. Sorry. It would have been a dashing statement. I'm not sure it would have been a bold statement because no. I think it's pink is quite commonly used now, isn't it, by uh, a lot of men's clothes. Well, as a matter, it's funny you should say that because there is a little bit of pink <laughs> in my shirt uh, yeah. that I'm wearing today. Yeah. And the thing is, I asked Mass before we went on stage just. Say it bluntly, Mass. This y shirt. Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Will uh, we go with this shirt? Do you know what shirt it is? Do you know um, the brand? It's Ralph, Ralph Lauren, Mass. Uh, it's been incredibly expensive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Does I, it suit me? Can yeah. I see a show of hands? Does this shirt suit me? I see some people saying that it, it does, does suit me. That's because you happen to know that I am a homosexual journalist doing <laughs> art and cultures television, and that, that is why I should be wearing something colorful. like that. Very colorful, yes. However, I have received style counsel on this shirt from somebody else. Mm. He was eight years old, and he saw me standing in the kitchen of our summer house wearing this shirt, and he only said one thing. He said, ha, 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 you're wearing a pajamas. That's really awful. That is absolutely really horrid, yeah. which is the reason why I put, couldn't possibly go on <laughs> with this shirt, also because it's going to be too warm. And I'll wear another shirt, which I think is slightly more masculine. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And also, 
you know, all, all clothing these days are conversation pieces, and this shirt was actually bequeathed to me by Preben Hansen on his deathbed. He was wow. the leader of the Danish Siemens um, Association. <laughs> and a very well-known communist he was. He was slightly communist, well, oh, right. rather yeah. communist. You could, <laughs> he more or less founded the party, just oh. about. So let's get back to the spornosexual Zac Efron we yes, have behind us. Let's now. see yeah. a little bit more of his fa fabulous abs, Zac Efron. Because I noticed the other day that there's almost a bit of a controversy about Zac Efron, mm. uh, that he's become almost too bulky. And I was thinking, how can anyone become <laughs> too bulky? I mean, Zac Efron, he's forever been uh, the, the, the mother-in-law's dream of a yeah. son-in-law, hasn't he? Yes. So would you agree that Mr. Efron has put, in, put on a little bit too much weight for his shooting of the new Baywatch? This is what he's looking uh, like today, apparently. Uh, not at all, because he's the new Pamela Anderson. He is the new Pamela Anderson, absolutely. So is he now the sex, sex symbol of that uh, He's the sex object yeah. of Baywatch, um, just as Pamela Anderson was. was. Okay. And well, Pamela Anderson also was kind of hyper-real. You know, she had these special effect bosoms. Yeah. Um, so does our friend Zach. And Zach has grown up. I mean, he was a boy band type, pretty TV soap, then Hollywood star. But yeah, he's, he's, he's grown and he's grown up. And he's, he's, he's fashioned himself into what young men tend to do nowadays if they want attention, let alone if they're in Hollywood movies. Um, he's turned himself into a spornosexual or Rather, he's fashioned his own body into a hot commodity, and I don't have a problem with it. But would Zac Efron be able to take on a leading serious role in a, in a serious drama with a body like this? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. But it's Baywatch, anyway. It's Baywatch. But, well, but, but Baywatch is a special... But it's not just Baywatch, of course. In many, many Hollywood movies, particularly action movies and superhero movies, there is the obligatory scene in which the male hero peels his shirt off and these huge bazookas come out and the abs ripple. I mean, I don't know if any of you saw the first Captain America movie uh, a few years ago in which they had the lab scene in which the star, I forget his name now, um, uh, he comes out of this this sort of microwave unit that has turned him into, from a little geeky skinny guy into this huge spornosexual superhero. And um, everybody's eyes pop out at this transformation. And it's it basically this, it, this transformation from ordinary guy to men's health cover model seems to be the narrative of Hollywood movies. We also have the guy in, um, oh, excuse me, the... Uh, 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 the guy who was in Parks and Recreation, who was very f large and wobbly, and he transforms himself into uh, uh, a science fiction muscle guy as well. Okay. Can, can I ask him, I'm sorry, is he in Baywatch, is he gay? Or is he gay in real life, or what is, what is his sexual orientation? No, 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 orientation? he's, uh, he's uh, a red-blooded heterosexual male. 
I, I believe, but that... Is this, does this come to, uh, as a surprise to you? I mean, that a heterosexual will bulk himself this... No, 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 it doesn't, because that's all the, the metrosexual is about, that men can't be... No, no, no. no. But but I, I would think that this guy here is spornosexual. I, yeah. I, was just, I just wasn't aware of, I was just interested in the limitations yeah. okay. of him. Spornosexuality is second generation metrosexuality, if you like, because metrosexuality is so normal as to be yeah, yeah. not worth commenting on. There's no point saying, oh, he's a metrosexual, you know, who isn't, in yeah, a sense. Exactly, yeah. This is all going to be very, very complicated, because <laughs> in a couple of minutes from now, I also introduce the concept of a retrosexual who is a person who has gotten sick and tired of the spornosexual and the metrosexual, and, and Mark will probably enlighten us on that. We shall see. We've got lots of videos to show you, and this is going to be a raw. Normally, I would start a session like this with a lot of uh, fake laughter, just to uh, let you know, and just to let the people outside know that this is where the thing is really happening at the Heartland Festival. I happen to know, because I've seen the videos, that will not be necessary. I think we should see the first video, the one we call number one, to see a piece of classical portrayal of masculinity. This is the classical Gillette Razors commercial, and I think it started airing back in 1989. Clip number one, please. You're looking sharp. You're looking good. You've come so far. And we know how to make the most of who you are. There are so many pieces of this commercial I absolutely adore. <laughs> uh, but the best to me is knowing that somebody, a musician with bills to pay, has gone into a studio with his guitar singing, Gillette, the best a man can get. Did you get it? Is it okay? Do you need it once more? Is it fine now? Mm, can I have my check? But you once wrote a th almost a thesis on, on this ad, didn't um, you, Mark? Yes, I, uh, almost a chapter-length yeah. uh, essay about that in my first book, Male Impersonators, about that ad. It first aired in about 1989, but it ran for years and years back then, an ad like that, which cost a lot of money. Well, all of you probably know the melody, don't you? You know the tagline, Gillette, the best a yeah. man can get. Maybe we could let the tent sing it. <laughs> we won't. It's very uplifting. Very uplifting. Yeah. But, but, but can, you I, can, can I say, because, can I say about this? Because when I, I opened my shop in 86, and things back then were more conservative, if you like, and so on. And this was big news. When this came, it was like, yes, we can be good-looking, we can be fatherish, we can, be, we can hang out with our dad, we can be a good uh, husband to our wife, we can be all these things. And I actually think that this... The vibe of this, or the ambition of this, is what paved the way, what you nailed when you said metrosexual. This is actually more or less the beginning of yeah. metrosexuality. It's this true. is what it's yeah. all about. So and, they and they coined but it from, but from the first But wouldn't you call one. this a quite an old-fashioned masculinity? I yes. mean, you've got, it is. you have to excel in sports. Yes, yes, yes. So many sports mm. there. You have to excel on Wall Street. The first mm, guy yes. you see is making a mint. Oh, yeah. What it's doing, what the ad is doing very cleverly, very effectively, you're absolutely right that it's laying the groundwork for metrosexuality. 
But what it's doing is it's saying male desirability and prettiness is uh, not something to be afraid of because it's still alpha. It's about winning the race. It's about getting the girl. It's about making the fortune on Wall Street. Uh, back then, these things had to be emphasized because it was a transitional period. Now, male, the male desire to be desired, which is basically what metrosexuality is, um, is not something that needs to be justified. You know, our, our friend Zach, him and his bazookas, they have no justification or explanation. <laughs> they simply exist and we admire. But back then, it had to be explained and uh, reassured. And it had to be justified. Yes. And, and the fee when I opened my shop in 1986, which is today a very long time ago, the feeling I opened it with, with was, or the new thing in, in society or in media was that men could, we didn't have only to be soft and, and uh, sort of lilac and, and not justifying ourselves, but we could also be good looking. We could also have, we could also tan our body, we could also do sports and be the winning type. Because before that, it was actually not well seen or how, how silly this may sound today. And therefore, the yuppie that came around just in 86, 87, 89 was actually, in the beginning, progressive. Because the yuppie said, I can do this, I want to do this, and it's only for myself. It's not for my family, it's not for my wife, no, no. it's for me as a male. I want to look like this, do this, be it money, be it body, be it fashion, whatever. And that was actually the starting point for my business in 86. Then, of course, the yuppie era grew into other things and went amok and so on. But the, the beginning of it, the ambition <coughs> of it, was actually fair enough and, and very, very okay. And Although you had time. to be white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very white ad. Mm. Is it? But yeah. look, today, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Right then, yeah. it didn't... Yeah. But then it was really progressive. Today, it looks really silly. Yeah, I want to throw in another ad uh, from around the same period. It's, a, it's an ad for a product that we don't have in Denmark. It's called Lynx. Judging mm. from the product, I think it must be the equivalent of the Danish, let's call it a low-brow male deodorant called uh, Axe. Whenever yeah. they say Lynx, think Axe in Denmark. Let's see clip number two, the old Lynx ad. Never had love before, never felt so secure since I saw you. Mix fragrances one and two, and create new links three. Now, one of the things I absolutely love about this commercial is that I had absolutely no idea what it was all about because I couldn't see the <laughs> no idea whatsoever at the women before and after they exploded. I thought, oh, there are women exploding all around him, but apparently they become more attractive. Uh, because he's twice wearing. as attractive. Twice as three times yeah, as attractive. Three times you as become attractive. One, That's what one, happens. Yeah. You get three. The and this says a lot about how Lynx was portraying itself. This is also from the what, 1989 or? Oh, this is this is the 90s, I think. 90s. Okay. But Lynx have been running that campaign, basically that kind of campaign, for probably about two decades, at least two decades, in the UK. And Axe, it's the same company. 
so uh, and Gamble. So this, this commercial basically just to say that Lynx was trying to sell itself as an extremely male chauvinist company yes. that, that, that men, women simply transformed themselves when the male became attractive. Well, what it was was a new lad brand. I don't know whether new lad ever happened in Scandinavia, but in the 90s in the UK, new lad came along, which was basically men's lifestyle magazines like Loaded and FHM, which had never existed before, mass market, men's lifestyle, basically glossy magazines like Marie Claire but for men hadn't existed in a mass market kind of way. In the 90s a formula came along which was called New Lad by the media which said look a men's glossy magazine is blokey, it's very heterosexual, look there's footballers in it and there's busty ladies and links but it's actually about delivering high-end advertising and vanity products to men, just like Marie Claire mm. is about. Uh, but it came in this new lad package which said, don't worry, there's nothing gay about it, there's nothing girly about it, this is blokey, this is laddie. But of course the whole concept of a new lad is completely oxymoronic, it cancels itself out because there is no such thing as a new lad, there is either a lad or there isn't. Um, so this campaign went on and on and on until <clears throat> a few years ago and it basically the concept of it was that you use links and then women went crazy or acts and they threw themselves at you but not just any women, supermodels. Now of course it was humorous and it was, it was ironic, it wasn't meant to be serious but this was the whole concept of the campaign which does look, it's been dated for a long time and possibly offensive but exactly how dated it has been is very, very clear when you see the way Lynx is presenting itself today. Let's see the newest Lynx ad, uh, the <clears> one we call clip number three. Is it okay to be skinny? Possible, mate. What was that? Is it okay to not like sport? <laughs> is it okay to be a virgin? To experiment with other guys? Is it okay for guys to wear pink? Be nervous. To have long hair. To like cats. To take a selfie. To shave you. To be depressed. To be scared. Wait, is it okay for me to be the little spoon? Come on, man. Go online to search and see for yourself. So this is a bold step, a bold leap into a much more questioning masculinity, isn't it, Matt? Yes, and then a bold leap into a much more non-defining and much more open and much more including kind of masculinity, which is a big step for mankind. Yeah, and, and, and basically they're leaving behind the concept of the lad being extremely conscious and knowing it all, doing well, it all. Well, yes. The, um, they're trading on their past as well because by putting out an ad like that they get enormous media coverage because that's a Lynx ad? Uh, to be fair their advertising campaign was hideously dated for years and years and years and apparently the people who work at Procter & Gamble now are very very embarrassed about these old ads 
And so what, what that ad is doing is trading on that past by saying, look, we're completely different when we embrace the new uncertainties and possibilities instead of exploiting anxieties, which is kind of what the previous campaigns did. But, but do you know whether this commercial went very well? I mean, uh, it, the, these, it's portraying very unsecure, insecure males, and normally one wouldn't say that insecure males are role models for anything. But they're good customers. Are they? Yes, they're, they're, they're yeah. insecure. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But of course they are. No, but but I think advertising is all about anxiety. Advertising. So they buy more stuff. <laughs> One, if, if, you're look, if you're insecure, you're more open to take, advi take advice. And if you come into a shop or you see an ad or something, if you're insecure, what should I do? And you like for one, one way or another. So, so basically, <laughs> if you're insecure, an eight-year-old can tell you what to wear and not, we and not, not what to wear. wear. Exactly, if I'd yeah. been more secure, yes. I'd just gone ahead with my Ralph Lauren yes. here. Yes. So that's basically it. Okay, let's go on to the next clip because I want to discuss a, a British actor. Actually, I think he's an English actor. He's born by two Bohemian West Londoners. And let's see the official trailer for the, uh, I think it's an HBO Nordic series mm. called Taboo. Let's see the official trailer, clip number four, please. I attended Mr. Delaney's funeral and a ghost appeared. A son we all thought dead in Africa. James Keziah Delaney. You will see, Delaney, this legacy is your death sentence. I am a very dangerous man to know. A very dangerous man to know indeed. Tom Hardy, ladies and gentlemen. Before we discuss Tom Hardy and his masculinity at some length, I'd like to see a show of hands here. How many of you know of the English actor Tom Hardy? Oh, he's quite well known. He, I, I didn't know of him at all before I saw this trailer for Taboo, but that's because I don't watch Batman, I'm afraid. And I wouldn't have been able to recognize him in Batman anyway because he plays somebody with a mask in front of his face. The reason why I got to know Tom Hardy was that I listened to the podcast of Ispen Bjerg and Peter Feldtoft, which is the Danish equivalent of Anton Deck, more or less. And they have a podcast called Here God God, Here God God, um, which they make with Irma, Irma, which is at Sainsbury's in Denmark. And let's just hear clip number five from Peter Falktoff's man crush rant on Tom Hardy. Okay, så vi tager den nu. <clears throat> Også fordi vi skal jo ikke spoile, fordi vi vil gerne have folk med på den her. Anbefale mig at se den, fordi Tom ja. Hardy er... Så kan vi se den lidt sammen. Altså en mande, mande mand. Ja, altså, det må vi jo være ærlige sige, at det kan jeg jo fortælle til lytteren, du er faktisk forelsket. Gud, Tom Hardy. en mand. Ja. Det er en mand. Det er en rigtig mand. Nej, nej, en mand. Man in Danish means man, so that more or less fills you in. Uh, this is a man crush that Peter Faltoft has, and and what can you explain to us about Tom Hardy? What kind of man is what? What type of man is Tom Hardy presenting to the audience these days? Well. Um, Tom Hardy is interesting for a number of reasons, but 
I think that one of the really key things about his appeal and his charisma and his on-screen presence is that regardless of his own sexuality, and uh, he's happily married and, and has kids, uh, married to a woman, um, on screen he has, in my opinion, a very pronounced ambisexual presence. Uh, it's a, an on-screen bisexuality, if you like, or bisexual potential. And um, you often see him in movies where he either plays a character who has some very strong relationship with another male, uh, warrior, he spends most of his time grappling in speedos with his brother, um, it's a MMA movie, and there's all kinds of passionate emotional attachments going on. Uh, even in a, a fairly rubbish film like uh, uh, This Means War, he's, it's a buddy movie where he's, he's in love with Chris Pine, but then they fall out of love and they're fighting over this girl, but their relationship is much more important than the relationship either of them has with the girl. Um, and then ultimately, I, I, I don't know if anybody saw the film Legend here uh, in Denmark, but it was quite popular. Should we have a show of hands? Legend, does it ring a bell? Yeah. It does ring a bell, t t oh. two places. <laughs> it's, 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 it's about the, the Cray twins who are criminal gangster uh, brothers and twins in London in the 60s. And it's a very British obsession, so it probably didn't export terribly well. But the significant thing about that film was that Tom Hardy played both brothers, both twins. So, so he plays against himself, basically, which is the basic uh, movie boof uh, joke of the film. That's, that's right. And he, uh, Reggie and Ronnie. And, um, and also the, the, the Cray twins had this bisexual, homosexual backstory going on uh, as well at the time. But the, on screen, it was partly a way of him showing off that he can play both characters and you believe that they're different people and they look different as well, even though they were twins. Um, but the main thing is that actually what that film is playing on is what's going on in our culture all over the place now, which is that when you look at somebody on a screen, a celebrity on a screen, so particularly somebody like Tom Hardy, what the audience is seeing when they really connect is their idealized image of themselves. And in a way, when you're playing a twin, you know, two twins on screen, it's really, I mean, it's acting out what you want to see on screen. You are thinking, that's the twin of me as I should be, <laughs> not what I actually am. And, and I think that, you know, that homoerotic, for want of a better word, that ambisexual relationship between Tom and himself in that movie is really, really indicative of the whole Tom appeal because the guys who've got the man crush are usually straight men, mm. uh, but they see this guy on the screen and he's, he's the guy that they would like to be their idealized image or their twin or their brother. But there's actually been a little bit of controversy about Tom Hardy in the British press because in 2008 or so, when he was still a fairly unknown actor, he was asked whether he had any homosexual or bisexual oh. experiences. And back then he said, you know, I'm an actor. What do you think? I, I investigate human experiences and it would be very stupid of me not to have tried that as well. Something like that. Yeah. I'm quoting yeah. him completely. 
completely correctly. Later on, he's beginning to be far more reticent to let go of any details about his personal life, his family life, his sexual orientation. Uh, so the gay community is now beginning to look at him as a renegade, a, a, a gone-again gay, that he's kind of left the building, the, <laughs> the homosexual temple. Well, there, there was some criticism and flack, quite a lot actually, because he shot down a, a reporter from a gay paper that, that was asking him about his sexuality a, a year or so ago, and I think it was actually a press conference for the film Legend, I might be wrong. And um, he, he did behave in a, in a rather clumsy fashion, and he is a little, does seem to be a little bit sensitive about it, but it's kind of understandable. You're a Hollywood star now. You're no longer a, a boy actor who is wanting to get noticed. Um, and as I say, for me personally, I don't, I, don't, I don't really care what Tom Hardy does or doesn't do or has or hasn't done in the past. It's what's on screen that matters. And, and in terms of what's on screen, he's not straight on screen. If he, wasn't, if he was completely straight on screen, he wouldn't be the Hollywood actor that he is. You don't because, think so. because he's he's by he's 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 uh, on screen. He's, he's appealing his, to both sexes. His appeal sexes. is is well, sexuality, which is interesting. With his, yeah. with his ambigu ambiguous sexuality. <laughs> yes. That's what you're yes. saying, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, so, so interesting. So you get that little inkling that there might be a little bit more to him, which naturally makes him horribly fascinating to me, I must say. <laughs> He's been rumored as the next James Bond. He's amongst those seven people or so that might become the next James Bond. We shall follow that uh, eagerly. Let's see another clip. And I have to say about the next clip, <clears throat> I have absolutely no idea what the problem <clears throat> is. I find it endlessly fascinating, but I would like a full and in-depth exploration of oh, what's what on earth going on. is going on in this clip. It's called Below the Belt, it's clip number eight. This is my life. I work hard all day. And all night. Sometimes I'm a shrinking violet. Sometimes I stand up tall. I know when to go all in and when to go all out. But whatever I do, I always look after my boys. Fresh and dry balls by Below the Belt. Grooming for men. Mark, Mark, would you would you explain, Adrian, what is actually going Please on? Please help me. The <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> it's a real product, and it's okay. a, and it's a real ad, although it's an online ad. It wasn't actually broadcast on, you know, ITV in the UK. At, at Which is why you can have a talking yeah. dick, I yeah. suppose. But they have had TV ad campaigns that have been in that context, equally provocative. Um, the product is in itself slightly bizarre, which is why the ads go the way that they do, I think. They really go with the whole concept. Basically, it's an antiperspirant gel for your bollocks, for your testicles, um, your crown jewels, your heirlooms. 
And could, could, could I just stop you there? Mm. <laughs> He's, got could I, could I just, He's in. He's got just, it. Just, 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 a, just a little show of hands. <laughs> How many of you in this tent actually use an antiperspirant gel for your bollocks? I'm okay, only talking to the men here. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. We, yeah. Apparently here we just haven't hit our, our, our it's target a growing market. It's a growing market. It's a growing Brilliant. market. Brilliant. There's enormous potential for growth. <coughs> <coughs> so, so, so what are, what, which men use this product? Well, men... Would, would your customers use it, Mess? <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? But, you but, you but hadn't not, heard of the product, had no, you? No, I never. No, and I and I wrote when well, when I saw the ad, I wrote you said, "Is this actually for real, or is it just yeah. a spoof?" Is this a joke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, but the interesting thing about this, as with your metrosexuality term, right from the beginning, is me personally, um, I don't give anything about whether people are gay or whatever they are. But the interesting thing is, all these things are what you would consider gay. Yeah, and it's presented in a non-gay environment. It's exactly. also very white. But it, all of it is but very it was white, but it's an yeah. ungay thing, and that's, that's right, that, that you can, as a heterosexual man, you can do this, and talking about being insecure, a lot of guys are insecure about, a lot of people are insecure about many things, and you can also, a lot of us are, oh, people are insecure about their sexuality, and a lot of guys are a little bit afraid, have been, are afraid, that if they show to, if people think they're gay, what could happen, no, 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 no. Yes. And all these things is about it's okay to do this even if it's a, go, a gay thing to do. You can do it even though... That's exactly gay. right, because homophobia is bad news for gay and bisexual men, obviously. But it's bad news for many, many more men than gay and bisexual men. It's bad news for all <clears throat> men because homophobia historically is used to police the behavior of all men. You can't do that. You can't say that. You can't wear that <laughs> because people will think you're gay. And that has broken down enormously. It's not necessarily gone completely, but compared to 10, 20 years ago, when that uh, Gillette ad first aired, the change is enormous. And it's not simply, oh, isn't it great for gay people now? It's a much mm. bigger story than that. It means men in general are much less inhibited, particularly young men. They really don't care. Uh, they just want to be hot. They don't, they don't really care what you, somebody somewhere who's ugly and old thinks it's gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't fact, give a shit. Yeah, they, they probably like that. Um, and that, that ad is what it is. It's a company that has... It's an example of niche uh, male grooming looking for new markets. You know, it's been decided that men need to apply antiperspirant gel to their bollocks. But it's, you know, men, I, I of course, there's nothing, uh, my mm. testicles are completely perfect and sweat-free. I want you to all know. But, uh, I, I take but, it they glow in the dark, Mark. Oh, but, were you looking earlier? <laughs> I, the, it's a bit dark backstage. No, but I get around and I speak to a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, I, I think... But some men do have sweaty balls. Not me, but, not you. No, but... no, no, no. But, but there are so many heterosexual, as far as I know, heterosexual 
uh, males, also mega stars and even sports stars that to me look incredibly gay these days. And I think we should see the commercial we call clip number six, uh, the six pad featuring Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Body revolution. So, obviously the product here is apparently something you put on your belly and you can get a stomach and you can get a... Well, you turn into Cristiano Ronaldo. You turn into Cristiano Ronaldo, that's yeah. exactly what Whilst you do. Whilst watching television that, eating that, donuts. And a little bit of gel in the hair and, and, and you're yeah. sorted. That's basically it. But Cristiano Ronaldo in this ad, he does, doesn't he look positively gay? Yes. What we would <laughs> earlier consider gay, and all these football champions, David Beckham, of course, being number one and so on, look extremely gay, and they're all perfectly groomed. Everything about them is perfectly groomed. But the weird thing is that in football, there are officially no gays. Well, Almost yes. no gays, officially. Not many I have think there are one or two, maybe one and a half gays. One and a half yes. gays, if yeah. you include Sweden. In the UK, we, we, we don't have any out gay footballers. But they're certainly not openly gay, yeah. No, uh, uh, but, but that's, that's largely because football is a peculiar, a very peculiar business, but in the UK anyway. It's, it's traditional, but it's not traditional anymore. It has a traditional... Uh, audience, but the players are definitely not traditional type footballers anymore. They're in show business, and they're, they're all mini Beckhams. You know, like Ronaldo, they're 2.0 Beckhams because they are the full package. Beckham was very pretty and groomed and was the first footballer to do those things in the UK. We have a picture of Beckham we could just throw on screen because one of the, he was probably the, the, the ground zero of metrosexuality yes. because he was the first footballer who was dressed up in a skirt. Yes. And, 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 and as his father said, well, I thought he'd look rather smart in that skirt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, th that was basically how more or less all, all of this started, wasn't it? But it was very, very clever. It wasn't simply a case that Beckham was just this free spirit doing what he wanted to do. Yes and no. By being a British footballer, a well-known British footballer, and British footballer, and football in Britain in the uh, late 90s, early noughties, was still very traditional, very homophobic, um, and you have, you have a member of the England squad dressing in a sarong. That was front-page news everywhere, and every time he changed his haircut, every time he took his shirt off on, on, the, uh, on the pitch to swap shirts with the opposing team, he had a new tattoo. That was when footballers didn't have those tattoos. Only David Beckham had them. They've all got them now. And they've all got his hairdos, you know, that change every five minutes. But when he did these things, he very cunningly turned football into a global billboard for his brand. And he became one of the most famous people in the world and the most famous footballer, even though he was definitely not the best footballer in the world, even at his peak. Um, since then, they, this is the standard. But the difference between David Beckham uh, and, and Cristiano Ronaldo is, I suppose, that David Beckham was the genuine metrosexual and he hasn't built his body to the Zac Efron 
as well, he wasn't a, a spornosexual. He was an athlete. Exactly. He liked to take his yeah. clothes off a lot in ads. We'd like to take his clothes off. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't have a gym-built body. He, he had a, when he did the Armani campaign before Cristiano Ronaldo did it, you know, the underwear, the ropes, um, it looked heavily photoshopped. When Armani, uh, Cristiano did it, that's actually how Cristiano looks, looks. in real life. He's it's already photoshopped himself. Yeah. And that's the key attribute of the spornosexual. But, but David Beckham is the first man to do all these normally gay things being heterosexual. And that is his big effort and that's the way he's... No, the, the first man to do that was David Bowie. Another DB. Yeah. Okay, okay. But it was done, you know, 20 years earlier and it was done in pop music. Mm. Uh, David Beckham was the David Bowie of football and the high street. Okay. And that's, that's a key to his success. I just want to run through a couple of clips here. We're nearing the end. Uh, let's see clip number 10. Soldiers, we've always been wondering what do soldiers actually do while soldiers obviously have a job where they can go out, travel the world, meet new people and shoot them. And what do they do when they're waiting to do that? And this is what British soldiers apparently do. This is apparently what soldiers do. And I must say, this video begs the question, in order to preserve your masculinity, your true masculinity, do you have to also have a little, I know how to be gayish, edge? You have to hmm. give a little nod to, I don't mind playing a little bit around with my quasi-gay sexuality because I'm still as straight as a pole. As a modern man, you should embrace the whole of you, and that usually would include some more feminine sides also, and you shouldn't be afraid of showing those, I would say. But is it also important mm. to portray this to the public? I mean, should you be out with that? Mm. Well, uh, these kind of videos made by bored soldiers, particularly when they're serving abroad somewhere uh, unpleasant, mm. became very popular for a period of time. Why? Because they're bored and they want to have, have some fun. But they also want to be celebrities. They want to be mm. people, you know, watching their videos and clicking on them on YouTube and all the rest of it, like everybody else these days, like young people. And so they knew that the combination of them being soldiers and doing this YMCA act would get lots of likes. Yeah, but they also enjoy it. You know, this is, this is for, for blokes in that kind of situation, especially nowadays, they love to do that kind of thing because it's crazy and it's a release from the repression and the boredom and the monotony of that kind of army life, but also of traditional masculinity. You know, okay. that's kind of like a microcosm of what's happened in the culture. The second last uh, video I'd like to show is the video that you've, you've uh, suggested, Mess, and it's from something, it's <coughs> clip number 11, it's called the, sorry, I'm saying uh, clip, Number nine, the Satorialist Dinner. 
and I have no idea what it is. Could you explain to us as we see the video, see. Mass? Can I just say one thing about yeah. uh, David Bowe and David Beckham? Yeah. As we talked, just mm. short. It's because when I looked at David Bowie, who was also a hero of mine when I was a teenager, I was never certain whether he was gay or straight. Not that it matters, but it, it was always uncertain. Whereas with David Beckham, I was never in doubt. He was always straight. And that, I think, is metro yes. sexuality. Yes, he, well, uh, David Bowie was using the provocation Indeed of, am I gay, am I straight? And he called himself bisexual for mm. a while, yeah. uh, deliberately to be provocative. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Beckham, it, it did depend on the whole idea that, that actually, no, he's... He's, he's not gay, he's not bisexual. Victoria was just behind him yeah. all the time. And then the kid. Yeah. This is all incredibly it. interesting, and we'll continue this discussion <laughs> as you leave the tent. However, I do want to show now, you a off video to Milan. sartorialist in off to Milan. And, and try and give us a, a speaking off the tube commentary. Where can you be? What are we seeing here, Mess? Again tonight, while the moon is shining bright. What we're looking at here is a photo or a film from a blogger called The Sartorialist, who's, the, I think, maybe one of, he's one of the most influential fashion, male fashion bloggers about men's fashion. <clears throat> Twice a year in Florence, there's a fashion fair called P.T. Uomo, which is the height of men's fashion, if you're into very classical, conservative, well-made, Italian shooting and one is in January one is in June it's in two weeks now and this one is as you see the one in June and he's throwing he's inviting all his friends from the from the press and, and designers and so on to this to this dinner this lunch they're having on the main square in, in, in Florence and they're all as you can see it's only it's only men they're all utterly well-dressed. He takes photo of them. He, he travels around the world, takes photo, and puts them on, on Instagram, and he has a really good living of this. He advises other brands what to do, what's hip, what's not hip, and so on, within this niche of menswear. And this is the height. If you're into this kind of, of uh, men's, menswear, this is the height of it. And as you can see, they're all super well-dressed, wearing a tie, maybe not wearing a tie, but it's all... It's all tailor-made. It's all. It's. It's everything. Is. It's all the sleeves are like this, so they cannot. They cannot even say hi because it's like they cannot. <laughs> just get it up. Straight jacket. Uh, yeah. It's and it's as I was straight. It's not only white, as it's got more ethnicities in it, but it's very straight. But basically, Mass, I'm, I'm thinking this must be a, a fashion designer's wet dream of how the male masculinity should develop. Because basically, all of these men are what I would call spruce gooses, or geese, spruce geese, because they're all kind of dandies, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're so into their own clothing, they will never be seen in the same jacket twice in that city. It is indeed the, uh, a male dis some male designers' hot dream, but it's also it's a very classic, it's a very conservative take on how to dress as a man. None of us here are dressed like are dressed like that. So this is one. There's many reactions to being a man today, and some are more nostalgic, some are more old school. As I think we'll see, some are more some some men seek to 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 the to, to the to the past to find ways of expressing their masculinity. And it can be, it turns to be old school, 
and that way. And this is to me very and very old school way of dressing. If and that actually concludes the official part of our session about masculinity today. Now I'm going to offer you, do you want to see, you could leave and we won't hold it against you. <laughs> do you want to see one last video? Let me see a show of hands. You oh. do want, oh well, brilliant. In that case, we're going to show you a Danish video. I think it's about a show, is it already out or is it on its way out? Vilmanden. Vilmanden, Vilmanden, yeah. Okay, is, is it on screen yet? I think or? it's on screen, yeah. Okay, so this is a trailer for the Danish television show from TV Tool Fry, TV Tool Fri, um, called Vilmanden, which arguably could be translated into The Savage. Let's see the day's last clip. It's called clip number 11. And I'm sure that this has been, I'm sure this has been recorded just about where we are now, more or less, here on Fune, and it looks very much like it. Ever so briefly, Mass, yes, because ever we're so testing briefly. everybody's this, patience. Yeah. Modernity or masculinity today, how do you perform your masculinity today? And there's either the Peter Felktoft where you where you embrace your fit more feminine sides, or you can you can be more retro and you can long for the old and you can dress up like a sartorialist dinner in in Milan or sorry in Florence, or you can go hunting the old school mm. way. And this there's like these two ways. They're not they, they, you can do both, of course. But this is another way of trying to deal with what's it like to be a man. Yeah. Today. I suppose it's yeah. grabbing back some kind of, of very classical masculinity here, isn't it? I disagree. I mean that might be the aim, but perhaps it says more about me than the clip, but I thought that of all the clips that were shown today, that was the kinkiest. <laughs> okay, which will conclude our session for today. Thank you very much for coming, all of you. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.